the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show. It's been an interesting week with a lot of volatility. I don't know if we're going to remember much of the volatility in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, unless it was the week that led to the week that became the month of the major correction or something along those lines. August and September tend to be the weaker months on the calendar year. Nothing really to get upset about, nothing to get stressed about. Um, we've had a good year. Corrections are normal and healthy, but the volatility did pick up, and I know it feels a bit like a roller coaster. Let's bring on John Dos. He's with uh, he's gonna be speaking at the money show, KDOW.biz. If you want to learn more about the money show, it's coming up right around the corner. He's the editor of Forbes Dividend Investor. John, did I get your name close? John Dobus? You got it right exactly, Rob. Good to be on. Good to be back in black. It's good to have you, and it is good to be back in black, so to speak. Um, we've talked before at events like these. You probably don't remember me, but that's okay. Um, tell everyone what you do, because I dig what you do, and I actually requested you to be a speaker on my show. I'm glad that you do dig it. Uh, my name is John Dobus. I'm, the, uh, I'm a senior editor at Forbes, and I write stuff for the magazine and online. But my main focus are two newsletters, Forbes Dividend Investor, as you mentioned, that's a I put it out every Friday, and I uh, have a portfolio of dividend stocks. Um, the criteria that I consider, I'm looking for cheap stocks that can afford to keep on paying dividends, essentially. So I'm looking at things that trade less dearly than they have on average for the past five years on five metrics, price to earnings, price to sales, price to book value, price to cash flow, and enterprise value to EBITDA, which Enterprise value, as a lot of your listeners know, is just the market cap plus the debt of a company. It's kind of a good look at how – it's kind of a proxy for earnings. But earnings earnings are kind of manipulable. Uh, some of those other things are not. So I look at all five. I look at dividend growth because over time, if, you, if you're going to hold a dividend stock, you're going to want to have something that increases the payout at least by the rate of annual inflation to keep you whole in purchasing power terms. So 
that's the Forbes dividend investor. And the yields there, I'm looking for stuff that yields a little bit more than the S&P 500 index, which if you buy the S&P, you're going to get a dividend yield right now of about 1.95%. Uh, my average is about 45 4.6 after last week. Um, and then the other newsletter that I do kind of builds on that. It's called the Forbes Premium Income Report. Premium is a double entendre. Premium meaning very good and superior, of course, but premium also meaning the, what, the, the, the money that you receive for selling options. So in that newsletter, every Tuesday and Thursday, including today, I'll be doing one this afternoon, I put out two recommendations for dividend stocks that you can get into by either doing a buy right, and a buy right is when you buy a stock and simultaneously write or sell call options against it. Let's say there's a stock trading at $42 that you already want to buy. So you would buy the stock at 42 and maybe you would sell a $43 call option that expires in a month and a half or two months, and you might get a dollar fifty for it. So you wouldn't be paying forty-two dollars for the stock; you'd be paying forty-two minus a dollar fifty, forty dollars and fifty cents. A put option. Uh, after this past week, I'm sure a lot of people know about puts in terms of what they can do for portfolio insurance if you own them. But we're on the other side of that transaction, and we sell the puts. So going back to that forty-two dollar stock, we could say. I really like that stock at $42, but I would rather buy it at a lower price. So what you could do is go out a month and a half, two months, and buy a put option that is lower, that has a strike price lower than the current market price. Maybe you could sell the $41 puts, which literally puts you on the hook to buy that stock at 41 up until expiration. But you're going to collect a dollar or a dollar fifty for it, so you wouldn't be paying 41 you'd be paying 41 minus whatever premium you got. If it's a dollar, you would be paying only $40. So those two uh, strategies kind of work in tandem. First off, it's just a straight-up portfolio of dividend-paying stocks. And then with the premium income report, we look at those stocks and others um, that pay dividends and attractive options-selling opportunities. So that's what I'm doing at Forbes. Uh, I'm going to be talking about that at the Money Show. Uh, it's going on next week, Tuesday through Saturday at the Union Square Hilton. Yeah, it's August 15th through the 17th at the Money Show in San Francisco. It's the Hilton. People can go to kdow.biz to sign up. They have to sign up in order to get in. But once you're in, it's free. Are you giving a speech on any day that people may want to target? Because, again, you're right up my alley as far as dividend investing in a market. Well, uh, glad to hear that. No, we uh, – I'm doing something on uh, each of those days. One really uh, informative panel that could be good, not just for, you know, stock picks, but to help inform a, uh, a world view is a panel. We're doing a panal of okay. Forbes newsletter editors. We, we, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Gary Schilling. Gary, Gary, oh, yeah, of course. Economist for many years. He called the housing crash. He's, uh, he's been right on target with the stock market and what it would do with, in response to QE. So we've got Gary Schilling, George Gilder. Uh, Gilder is a name for anybody who's been a tech investor over the past couple or three decades. Uh, George is just a fountain of information. So we've got George Gilder, Gary Schilling, Janet Brown, based in San Francisco with her company, No Load Fundex. And Janet is uh, a true guru in terms of uh, – market momentum. She, her her uh, switching philosophy in ETFs and mutual funds is based on what's working now. 
And, uh, and then also we have Brad Thomas. Brad is the editor of the Forbes REIT, invest, Forbes Real Estate Investor. And Brad has a portfolio of dividend-paying REIT stocks that he maintains. So those four people and I will be uh, at, four, at 5 o'clock p.m. on Thursday, which is the opening day. And then I've got a couple of presentations the next day talking about the strategies of using options selling on dividend-paying stocks on uh, Friday uh, and Saturday. Perfect. Thanks for joining us. I think uh, we're almost out of time, so I've got to push away from you. I'd like to talk to you more. Thanks for joining us. It's the Forbes Dividend Investor, John DeBoos, uh, talks about stocks issuing new rankings. Dividends are important to me because in a good economy, you get dividends. In a bad economy, you get dividends. He's looking for that consistency, which I think is a super important thing. To go to the event, you can go to kdow.biz and sign up for the money show. It's next week. I'm going to be speaking on Friday. He's going to be speaking at a panel. If you go to kdow.biz and click on the money show, you'll see a schedule. You'll see the special events. You'll see the exhibit hall. You'll see everything plus there. It's kind of like Comic-Con for financial nerds. Um, I don't think anyone will be dressing up as CNBC host or anything like that, so you don't have to worry about that. But it could happen. Anyhow, and anyway, that was John DeBose um, with The Money Show. He's with Forbes. I really respect what they do. Long story short, um, thumbs up from me. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Wall Street opened higher following yesterday's comeback. S&P 500 is back above 2,900. We introduced volatility. Volatility rarely goes away without a fight. I'm not saying we're going to have a down week next week. I'm not that guy. What I am saying is it's going to be interesting because that volatility spike typically leads to something short-term on the downside, followed by long-term on the slightly upside. Um, it shakes some, some weaker hands out of investing. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Who I kind of like. He's kind of New Yorker crazy. And he hates Tom Brady. He's Tom Brady. I hate him. He's playing rubbles. <laughs> he gets all wound up in it. Like he's going to have a heart attack. That's how I get about stocks and investments. But I, I can't quite do that. You know, Howard Stern had his day where, you know, he did a lot of very, how shall we say, PG-13, almost our shows. And there was a lot of young boys who liked that stuff. So I, I get niche radio. I think it's super important. I got someone who came up to me last night at a seminar he said, what do you think about me buying into commercial property? I'm like, how much you worth? And the answer was like, not much. Typical Bay Area guy. He has a home. 
He's got 100, 200,000 saved for retirement. Has a good job, but not a great job, but not a bad job, but a good job. He's making ends meet. And he got approached by a real estate, how shall we refer to it, club, where you pay to get into the club and they mentor, quote unquote, mentor. I don't know what club he got into. I'm not speaking bad of all clubs. I like some clubs. I like the Mickey Mouse Club. They're one of my favorites. M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. Yes, yes, yes. There's a chance I might have been a Mouseketeer in another lifetime. If you doubt me, put up $100,000 and I'll give you a photo. Because if I'm going to embarrass myself, I need some retribution. Some repatriation of embarrassment back into cash, Ola, cold cash money. So he got approached by an investment club and he kind of like, wait, I can own commercial property in Dallas? I'm like, not Dallas! And like, I think J.R. Ewing and Noel and stuff like that, right? And I just, every time I saw that TV show come on, all I saw was land. And the value of my home that I'm in right now is, is it the house or is it land? It's the land. By about 75% to 25%, I would say. I, 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 those numbers will ebb and flow. But he gets approached by a real estate club. They're going to mentor him. And I'm like, I, I've run into a couple of these where they're not scams. But what they are is the person who runs it gets sponsors like 1031 people and mortgage people and people who develop property in Dallas and people who property manage in Dallas. And she gets them to speak to you all about how great commercial property is. And how other people's money, this is how they do it. And other people's riches, this is how they do it. And then I start talking like that right now. So this guy, he buys into this pitch. I'm like, you're not wealthy enough. Why are they coming to you? If they're wealthy, and this is how the rich do it, why don't they go to the rich and tell the rich how to do it and get money from them? Are you with me or are you against me? If they cared about well, they care about your money, but if they cared about your financial future, commercial real estate's got risks to it. A lot of risks. And when you give your money to other people, suddenly they're making the decisions. Publicly traded REITs will buy you commercial property in Dallas. Publicly traded commercial REITs uh, will buy you movie theaters in, across the United States. They'll buy you hospitals. Because they lease it to those hospitals. They lease the land and the real estate. So you get the property that goes up in value or down in value, which if you believe these people, it always goes up. And you get professional management instead of these yahoos who don't know how to get real money. So they're coming to you. And sometimes they'll say, did you see, don't you want to be the next Donald Trump? Or don't you want to be the next cutting corners people on, on TLC, Taruk and Malufa and how, and how they're doing these like home refis and flip or flop. Those are reality shows. I've worked with reality shows and they're fake. Tariq has to go into, he just bought a flip in Long Beach. And oddly enough, there's a power line on top of it. This could ruin the flip. Coming up after the break, will Tariq lose all his money or will he actually get the power line removed? It's already been in the planning for six months. You don't get a a power line moved in under six months. And you keep buying this, this stuff. This guy had a 15 minute conversation with me. I, th- I think I might be having a heart attack. <laughs> call 911. Don't call 911. But that's the problem that I have. And it goes back to that real estate investment club where these are not quite professionals. 
that I've run into who get a lot of people who make a lot of money from doing a transaction. You know how much it costs to do a 1031? Do you know how much it costs to title real estate? Do you know how much it costs to do mortgages in real estate? Do you, do you, do you, do you, do you know? Do you know that they make money or, or, and you, and, and they don't lose money whether you lose money or not? Oftentimes, a real estate developer will come to them and say, we, we messed up. We have a, a big plot of land. If I take you and your whole crew on a cruise, if I take you and your whole crew for dinner and, and buy you nice things, can you, can you find us some, some quote-unquote investors? So there used to be a day when mutual funds were for the wealthy people because the transaction costs were so expensive. And those have come down. And they have to publicly disclose with the Securities and Exchange Commission. They have to publicly disclose with the government. There, there's at least some oversight and overview. And every now and then there's a fraud like a WorldCom and they're shut down. Companies like Bernie Madoff and companies where you're doing real estate development and commercial private REITs, you don't have to disclose. There's no oversight committee. So have some ethics. These companies won't. They won't because they've made some small-time small time fish into mid-sized fish. But they made themselves small-time fish into big-time fish themselves, not by doing the property themselves, but by going to you and selling you the idea that they can do the property for you. If it sounds too good to be true, don't do it. It is like walking into a casino blind, playing blackjack, knowing a system of card counting. If you really believe you can pull off all those three things, I got a class for 399 that'll teach you it. And for an extra $4,000, I'll teach you how to do it in outer space. And like, woo, I could do that? That oh sounds my, good. My. So just be cautious. I, I'm, I'm not, a fool is quickly parted with his money. And again, if, if, if they had these, these ideas, don't you think they're going to Prince? Oh, he's dead. Don't you think they're going to Michael Jackson? Oh, he's dead. Don't you think they're going to celebrities and saying, this is how you're going to make Uber money? Do you know who made Uber money in Uber, publicly traded company? Beyonce. Hey, ladies. She did a concert for Uber and she said, eh, instead of $6 million in cash, why don't you just give me $6 million in your future IPO? You know what that $6 million is now worth? $300 million. See how the rich get richer? They're not buying real estate deals from shady clubs. I'm not saying all clubs are bad. I like investment clubs. That the Investment clubs... 10 women will get together and they'll call themselves the beer towns lady or the, the wine drinking Wednesdays or the day drinkers. They'll, they'll come up with some sort of cute name and they'll all meet and they'll say, what do you want to buy this week? And 10 people will argue. And I like that because you can get the trades for free or no commissions or low commissions, like five bucks. You own it. It's in your name. It's not private. You're not giving your money to someone and hoping for the best. Hope is for church. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Good morning. 
Welcome in. Welcome along for the ride, I suppose. Update today. Yesterday we were down, then we were kind of fought back. Fight your way back. I don't know if you remember that horrible, awful song, but for some reason, I certainly do. Um, gosh, where do we even start today? So we're at the very, very tail end of earnings season at this point in time. There's going to be a big gap between now and next earnings season. It's going to be 90 days, but it's going to be 90 days with a lot of conjecture about China. And I feel like we're getting toyed with. Do you agree? Um, what I say with by getting toyed with, it feels like some days the president sends out advisors say, well, we're, we're having constructive talks. And the other days it's like, but we're far away apart. Huge. So I kind of get that. There's a little bit of a cautious optimism. Don't you like it when words mix together and uh, they're not exactly how shall we? It's like kissing your sister. It's not exactly the best thing in the world, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, then again, some sisters are pretty cute. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, I just died on the vine on that one. So big spike in volatility this week. Maybe that's what we're going to remember this week as. Um, probably the biggest flare up in, I'm not going to say the last 10 years, but one of them. An increasing number of signs suggest the dynamics driving the latest turbulence could be the start of a deeper correction. Whoa. We're not done going down. Or if we are, that that wasn't going down. It's like that old Australian thing. You brought a knife. And the guy shows his knife and he goes, that's not a knife. Um, this is a situation where retirement savers are going to be stressed. Because I just said, I don't think we're done going down. And they're like, but I'm a year away from retirement. Or I'm two years away from retirement. Well, if that's the case, and you're going to want to come to the retirement event at the money show that Chad and I are doing a couple Fridays from today. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com or kdow.biz under the money show. You do have to sign up to go. Um, global stocks sold off on Monday after Beijing devalued the, the yuan. And that was kind of a... Latest salvo, I hate using military terms for financial issues, but it is what it is. So you get President Donald Trump's latest tariff. You get the Beijing devaluing the yuan. Um, broader stock market rebounded a lot on Tuesday after a rough Monday. China tried to stabilize the yuan, then ended relatively flat. And that's that's good and bad. If the yuan was really going lower on market forces, then trying to stabilize it is artificial. And it's the little boy who put his thumb in the dam who turns out to be you know super gluing it, only to find out that super glue doesn't last forever. So we don't really want currency manipulators, either on the positive or the negative side. The reminder right now is that stocks can be volatile. I'm not saying we're in for a correction. I'm not saying, oh, no, it's all over. I'm just saying that they can be uh, volatile. you got to keep some peace of mind. So one thing that I don't do is move a lot of investments into gold. I get it. If you're at an all-time high and you think we're due for a 30% correction, I get putting some of your money in, in safe havens. That's gold, Gold! I get it. If you can predict and see a nuclear bomb landing in Washington, D.C., I get it. I get the idea why you would want gold. But it's not for me. It plays into fear too much. And maybe I'm, that's the pride before the fall, but it plays into fear too much. 
most investors need to keep some money in stocks to meet their income needs in retirement. So you can't sell everything. And, you know, having a buffer of three years of income and cash and bonds to provide peace of mind during a market turmoil should make you feel a little bit better. Maybe you need more than that to feel even better, better. The cash balance intact um, is kind of a strategy that you should have. So I don't have enough cash in my portfolio. If we went down 30, 40, 50%, I'd kick myself in the hiney, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that, that, that's about what it sounds like. I've got one of those rubbery heinies. So and if you're freaked out by market volatility, for goodness sake, seek professional help. Um, CFP, Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com. Lyft is up today. They beat top and bottom line expectations. And they seem to be doing, well, we don't know. We're going to learn more about Uber today. But it seems to be, how shall we say, oh, good gosh. It's, it's a good thing going on domestically. Monster Beverage came up short of expectations. Are we past the Monster Beverage craze where you'd go to a bar and you'd get like a, you know, a, a monster drink on top of vodka and you'd like, woo, I'm going to stay up all night long. Are we past that? It feels 15 years ago. But I'm not sure. I'm not a monster beverage drinker. And I always think at some point in time they, they should be acquired by a bigger company like a Pepsi or a Coca-Cola. Kraft Heinz announced it will briefly delay its 10Q filing for the second quarter. That's not good. Its first half results came up short of revenue expectations. When you, cut, when you delay a public filing, eh, I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm going to say it, it's, it's something is not hitting smoothly. U.S. Treasuries have cooled off a bit. The two-year yield is up two basis points to 160. The 10-year is up six basis points to 174. The dollar index, and again, so there was those two days where it was at 16, 165, 16, 165, and now it's back to 174. So if you were expecting falling mortgage rates or even lower mortgage rates, maybe that is behind us at this point in time. Consult a mortgage advisor for date action on any stocks ever mentioned on this show. That, that's right. Um, Dow opens higher as bond yields rebounded. Maybe cooler heads prevailed. Craft shares tumble after delaying that 10Q. I guess the takeaway of this segment is delaying your 10Q is not seen as a positive. Broadcom is close to buying Symantec's enterprise business, which I don't understand. It's Sometimes I see mergers or acquisitions in this case, and it just makes me scra- uh, scratch my head a bit. Roku is a runaway train. Runaway train never coming back. One array train on a one-way twack. So I heard the lead singer of that band. Um, I don't even know who they are. But I heard he got beat up at a concert. <laughs> I just find that funny. I was like, that's not what you expected going to work today. I'm going to go sing songs and get beat up. Roku reported second quarter results that surpassed analyst expectations. They have reached 30.5 million active users. Their numbers are impressive. Um, while waiting for the Apple TV to mature, I went with Roku as my streaming device, and I like it. Uh, it's not perfect. I'd rather have it built into the TV. Um, the Roku guide is kind of their secret sauce where they get a lot of companies to develop apps for them 
and then they can kind of sell apps and push movies from Google or push Google store or they've got some little options and they're doing really well per user. Sweet. Got 30.5 million active users, up 1.4 million uh, versus the prior period. So more and more people are. It's it's playing the cutting the cord trend. This is what's impressive to me. Average revenue per user, ARPU is $21.06. That's up $2 from the first quarter. The ARPU, I know you're saying, is that a dirty word? ARPU, get your mind out of the gutter, people. Average revenue per user. It's really a solid number. Investors have been increasingly concerned that Roku could be overwhelmed by Apple or Amazon in the streaming TV ad space. Cheddar reported in April that Amazon plans to boost its advertising on TV products, seeking millions of dollars from advertisers to help Fire TV better compete with Roku and Pluto TV. So Amazon can throw millions of dollars. And that's kind of what you fear with the big boys, is that they can buy their way into a market. So that's that's interesting enough. Rosenblatt, an analyst, said Roku's latest quarter results prove that it has been able to withstand the pressures from competitors. I wonder what's next. They've got a Roku HD 4K streaming box. They've got the sticks. They've got the software being built into TVs. To me, at some point, maybe an acquisition by Amazon or by Apple. Maybe Microsoft? Not, Not immediately. And again, they're not saying anything about that. I don't know anything that you don't, but they're going to be helped when Disney and NBC Universal launch streaming. Yeah, no apps. kidding. So, because when you sign up for Disney or NBC Universal, you'll they Roku will probably get a cut of that action. I don't even want to talk Kraft Heinz. Kraft Heinz is a big story in the news, but who the heck owns Kraft Heinz other than Warren Buffett? So they're down four bucks on a thirty dollars stock. So that's a pretty significant today. This is a company my mom and dad, or my dad, is probably the best way of saying that. So you kind of get the point. This is dad stock, so, you know, kind of like dad jeans. <laughs> this is something that needs to be retired and put away. I, I'm just not that much of a player as far as uh, stretching my investment dollars to go as far as a Kraft Heinz. I can find other things that I'm looking at. Hey, Chipotle's testing a new queso. Popeyes is launching its first chicken sandwich nationwide to compete with Chick-fil-A. Isn't it interesting? People love Chick-fil-A. I don't get it. I don't get the religion of of, of junk food, fast food. Uh, anyhow, anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't go anywhere. Stay with me. We'll take a break. Be right back. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. What you say? 
something I could tell you. On retirement. Because we're all in a rush to get things done faster and faster. And that's positive and ultimately negative. We want to graduate from jobs faster. We want to get a job faster. We want to get rich faster. We want to retire faster. I kind of had that a little bit when I was 18. I was like, I don't want to work till the day I die. By the time I'm 35 years old, I want $1 million so I can do whatever I want. And my goal was somehow this is where my head is just really messed up. And maybe I'm good for investing because of it. Maybe I'm bad for investing because of it. One of the things that I wanted to do was be 35 years old and have the ability to go, screw you, I don't have to work with you anymore. A million dollars in my head when I was 18 was going to be enough to basically find the woman of my dreams, find a beach of my dreams, go to the store, buy some apples, oranges, and some waters, maybe some beers, and sell them on the beach to people. Whatever you have to make a day to pay for rent and food would have been more than enough. But that was my retirement goal. It kind of shows you I was a little naive when I was 18, huh? So I wanted to be able to retire by 35. I was in a rush. By the time I got to 35, I had more than a million dollars, and I'm in no rush to retire. I had amassed a net wealth of probably three to four million dollars by 35. Net wealth is kind of one of those funky things to figure out where do you include cars? Do you include retirement savings? Uh, and it, it, a lot of people see it differently than others. Do you include the value of your company? Do you, where, what do you, where do you draw the line? So I had enough, but I kind of wanted more, or I wanted to live in an area that's more expensive than what I thought I was going to live in when I was 18. Remember when I was 18, I don't think I was going to live in a tent at age 35, but I certainly wasn't expecting a house worth $2 million. It's overpriced to the tune of a million and a half dollars, or maybe a million to a million and a half overpriced. Trust me, I'm not living like a king. The freedom to wake up whenever I want it was a driving issue for me for retirement. I found that to be priceless. Now, you know, I would no longer have to deal with commutes to work, long work weeks, jerks. I would be able to meet people and like people that like my hobbies and wanted to spend time with me and my, my family. So when you decide you want to retire, try to wait a year on that decision and decide if that's still what you want to do. It's like when I tell people when you want to try to day trade stocks, the best thing you can do is make a deal with Uncle Rob. Me. If you think you can trade a stock, email me when you want to buy a stock and then email me when you want to sell a stock and how much money. I'll be interested to see if you can pull it off. Now, again, you can't email me 10 stocks and choose the one that you was the winner. So can you, and that's what I say, that's a test you should do with your loved one. If you can't go to your spouse and say, I messed up, I bought a horrible stock, you better be able to go to them and say, let's trade on paper first. I hate Kevin O'Leary. I used to say that I hate Jessica, not Simpson, oh God, Sarah Jessica Parker, because she got women to like $400 expensive shoes. 
but I hate Kevin O'Leary. Every time I see him, I just want to punch him. He looks like a clown to me, and I just I want to get a boxing glove and boink him. Boink. Story on CNBC this this today that he says he spends a thousand to five thousand dollars a week on food. Uh, if that's not sending the wrong message, I don't know what is. Now, he was trying to say, if you're just starting your career, look at your paycheck and do not spend more than 20% of your after-tax paycheck on dining out. I get it. He's trying to tell people, watch your expenses. It's kind of a modern day, you know, my generation loves Starbucks. We were, you know, Starbucks was kind of invented in our lifetime. The current generation may like Grubhub. They may like going out to dinner. They, they like being social. They're living in smaller homes. They don't really want to entertain in their home. They're living in smaller homes that have smaller kitchens, so they don't really have the space to do a lot of cooking. I once knew a millennial that I went into her, her kitchen, and I was like, where's your food? She had nothing. It was all fresh fruit and alcohol in the fridge. That was it. She doesn't like food in a box. So when I see Kevin Leary say, I spend $1,000 to $5,000 a week on $5,000 a week on food to $1,000 a day, I'm like, I want to exactly be bragging about that. I don't know. That's just me. So retiring early is a big idea, and you have to have income to last for the rest of your life. If I retired at 35, I'm not saying I would have run out, but my goals at 18 to have a million dollars didn't really factor in how expensive a spouse can be, how expensive health care can be, how expensive a kid can be. I didn't really start thinking about how expensive cars were going to become. At 18, I was pretty naive. I could have done it, but I would have been back in the workforce, and that ain't pretty. That's why you always want to give yourself a year to two years to really thinking about your retirement date. And then while you're approaching it, you got to start practicing retirement. Um, kids are an extreme financial burden, so you have to have extra money. That's worthy of noting. And there's going to be points where you're like, I want to send my, I want to send my kid to soccer camp. And soccer camps, you know. Basically, anywhere you send your kid, it's going to be 15 to $20 an hour for whatever activity they're involved in, minimum. So I think you want to invest more aggressively when you're younger than when you're older. That's one of the problems of listening to CFP Chadbert and myself. I'm more of a wealth accumulator. He's more of a wealth preserver. He can be a wealth accumulator, too. I'm just trying to put us in boxes, if you know what I'm saying. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.